Hello everyone and welcome back to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Lucy Gilman, I'm Deputy Editor at B2B Marketing and I'll be your host. Joining me today is Rob Gold, UK CEO at Merkel B2B. On today's episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into Merkel's research, the B2B Superpowers Index, and explore some of the decision drivers that matter most to B2B buyers. So Rob, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Great. And just to kick things off, could you tell us a bit about yourself and Merkel B2B? Yeah, of course. Well, um, first of all, thank you very much for um, inviting me to come here today. And um, thanks very much for the impact that B2B Mark can drive in our industry. You know, what, Congratulations to 20 years. And I think it's a dynamic and thriving category. And I think you guys sit at the heart of it. So thank you very much for that. I will take all the credit. Yep, so you can, welcome. yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so as you said, I, I'm the CEO of Merkel B2B in the UK. I run our European region. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. So I live in North London. Um, I am married to a lady called Joe, who's a graphic designer. I have two young children called Charlie and Poppy. Um, I started my career at BMW doing dealer marketing 20 years ago. I then moved to become a media planner at the publicist agency Zenith, where over the course of time I had a number of different roles, but I fundamentally am a media planner by trade and I worked across pretty much every category and sector that exists. Um, in 2019, I moved to run um, DWA and EMEA. Now, DWA were a global media agency specialised in technology companies. Um, we were acquired by Merkel, and my responsibility was to integrate DWA into Merkel so that we could power you know, progressive, uh, future-facing, modern B2B customer experiences. And, and, and for those of you that don't know, Merkel is the preeminent technology um, data customer experience organisation that sort of exists in our industry. So that was a really exciting kind of transition. Um, and then throughout 2019, we saw lots of change in the B2B category. Um, expectations rising, audiences changing, digital um, uh, customer journeys, the importance of, of data to drive customer experiences. So in 2020, we evolved and we grew into Merkle B2B, which was a new business that combined um, DWA, a company called Gyro, uh, B2B International, and a, and a couple of other acquisitions. And we created a, you know, a modern agency specifically for B2B customers. Um, today, we are 1,500 people. Um, probably a few more now, we're global, and, and really what we do is solve B2B customer problems through um, uh, through our practices of media, creative, insight, commerce, data technology, automation. So um, that's a bit about us. We, we partner with some of the world's leading companies. We were really proud to be named as the, the largest global agency in the B2B marketing benchmarking report, which is just a number, but I think it's a sign of, you know, we've got trust from our clients, we've got loads of great people and um, partners that help us move forward. So... I think the last thing I just just to, just for context is Merkel B two B are the go to market um, brand for Dentsu um, for Dentsu's proposition for for business to business marketing. Amazing! And if you want to find out more about the UK agency's benchmarking report, you can ch check the link in the bio. But anyway, as I said at the start, we're here today to discuss the B two B superpowers index and what marketers can learn from it. So, just can you tell us a bit about the research, why it came about, what the goals are? Yeah, of course. Um, thanks for asking. So, you know, I'll take a step back. We believe that successful B2B brands have to take a position of, of relevance in business culture. You need to understand what makes businesses work. You need to understand buyer behavior. Um, you need to understand how to adapt in this kind of like ever-changing dynamic uh, landscape. And at Merkle B2B, we've been tracking that behavior for the last three years to understand what drives decision-making and then importantly, the outcome that has on 
um, on the success of, of the company. So this year, the third time we've, we've released the Superpowers Index, we surveyed 3,622 B2B buyers. Mm-hmm. We asked them on average for about um, to tell us about two of their recent buying experiences, which means we actually sit on information of 6,767 B2B brand experiences. We spoke to buyers across four verticals, so manufacturing, technology, financial services, professional services, and across all global markets. So when you asked about the superpowers sort of research, I, I don't see it as a piece of research. I see it as a tool. I can see it as a indispensable and powerful tool that helps marketeers you know, give them the evidence that they need to affect change in their organisation. The reason that's really important is it's, we can, we can talk to people about the difference between success and failure. We can say which brands are doing well, what stage of your customer journey and what action to take. And it's important because we can tell you if you make that change on a customer journey, we can tie it directly to an outcome. Um, and from what I've seen, there's nothing like this in the marketplace. And it's really powerful. And it's why, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about talking to you about it today. Amazing. And it's all really amazing stuff and really great research. And I think you're right. There's nothing really like there out like that out there but yeah um so according to the b2b superpowers index the decision making process has increased from 344 days to 350 what does that say to you about the current landscape and b2b marketers relationships with their buyers well we, we all know that the b2b buying journey is is complex i think that's something that everybody talks about <clears throat> um now i mentioned that i'm a you know a planner by trade mm. And I think as a, as, a, as a marketer, it's a fascinating challenge to think about influencing, influencing a buying group of people along a long customer journey, you know, it bends your brain. Whereas from my experience, you know, trying to get someone to buy a car, buy a toothbrush, buy some confectionery is a linear process. Often it's one, maybe two people. It, and it's not anywhere near as complicated as a, as a B2B marketing journey. So... It's definitely um, complex, and to your point, it's, it's getting more complicated. So our superpowers index research, it shows us that decisions are taking longer, longer and, and that in, the incumbent brands along that process are in a much more precarious position. There's a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, that people are more cautious than ever when it comes to, to making change, which I guess is no surprise. In fact, we see one of the key drivers of buying behaviour um, for, is for the ability for a for a brand to make a customer feel safe when signing a contract with them. The second is that, you know, frankly, there are fewer reasons to stay loyal to an existing partner. There's a proliferation of choice in the marketplace. SaaS is dominating, um, you know, more kind of historical legacy businesses, particularly in technology. Mm-hmm. And we see, a, to my point, a, a, an amazing category now where there's so much great work happening um, from a marketing perspective, from a technology integration perspective, so the, the gap between winning and losing is, is much smaller. And we see this trend across all those sectors that I mentioned before. So, you know, ultimately, brands need to work harder than, than ever before to, to retain and grow their existing customer base. So you asked about the current state of B2B marketing off the back of that. And this is something I feel very strongly mm-hmm. about too, because, of course, B2B marketing has this legacy. this legacy in the traditional, this legacy in the silos, this legacy in the old school and the offline and I, as far as I'm concerned, that's gone. Like, and today we're in this incredibly dynamic ecosystem of amazing brand work. People are using technology to power their customer experience. They're connecting it to automation platforms. They are connecting those automation platforms through to sales processes. And I think that 
we should reward B2B marketers for that. And I, I, I sort of have this irritation when people continually talk about that it's not happening, and I, I quite strongly disagree. The future, though, I think is for people to work with partners who can then say, well, look, how can I take you this to the next stage? Because it's not easy. So you're doing great work, but often in silos, often with loads of partners. And we think that you need someone to I don't know, hold you by the hand and say, I can help you take the next step in your journey. So that's really critical. Customer experience is really important. Mm. There's a massive disconnect where businesses are saying, 80% of businesses are saying they, they drive a really great experience for their customers, but only 8% of B2B buyers are saying that that experience is really good. So something's breaking somewhere. Um, and you've got to be much more agnostic, I think. So you know, we're set up as an organisation to understand these challenges, provide a point of view and combine the, the, the deep services that we have to, to solve those challenges. So um, I think it's a fantastic industry to be part of right now. Um, and there's so much opportunity for us to keep elevating it. And just kind of taking a step back, it goes without saying that the B2B buying journey is complex, like you say, but why do you think that is? And you mentioned the word influencing. Do you think you can influence buyers of today where people don't want to be so sold to, will engage with your brand on their terms? How can you actually influence them? Well, <laughs> 75% of decision makers now are under, uh, under the age of 35. Mm. If you think about what that means, you've got people who've never not grown up with a red dot on their telephone or buying Amazon products and getting it delivered tomorrow. So there's a very clear synergy between customer expectations and what you need to do to influence um, purchase decisions. And if I think about the automotive industry, people talk about going for a joyride, not a test drive, because by the time you go to a dealer, you've already chosen your car. And I think in the B2B space, it's, it's very similar. Like actually people are doing significant amounts of online research. They don't want to be called by somebody. Events are great, but people want to go to network and not necessarily be sold to. Yeah. So the, the, the importance of customer experience digital journeys, information and content at the right time serve to those people. That's, I think, what um, is incredibly important. And when you unpick some of the points I've just made, there's a, there's a huge amount about trust and do what you say you're going to do and make it easy for me to buy from you. So yeah, there's a lot about, I think, taking friction out. So there's, there's influence of the journey, but there's also about just make it a bit easy. And a huge... I mean, just think about yourself, Lucy, an uh, overwhelming amount of what you probably do to research your products and services is done on your mobile flow phone when you're commuting into work. Yeah. So um, I think we have to respond accordingly to that to influence a purchase decision. Mm. Make it easy, not harder. I yeah. think making it easy is a very <laughs> good idea. Yeah. Okay, amazing. And now I want to talk about the decision drivers that matter most to B2B buyers. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the number one decision driver this year is feeling safe when signing a contract. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is and why is that safety element so important for buyers? It's important to note that, that drive has been trending upwards for the last three years, ever since we've been doing this work. Um, I guess it's no surprise why it's been getting more important, given the upheaval that we're all in nowadays. And my point before around there's lots of choice um, and you don't want to make a, the wrong decision. I think that's, again, a, another sort of rhetoric in B2B that we talk about quite a lot. Um, it's important to note that feeling safe is an outcome, though, an outcome driven by the result of the actions and the behaviours that you take over time. Um, but through the experiences we've looked at, I mentioned well over 6,500 of them, we can unpick um, the drivers of trust. Um, and these are four things. There are four drivers of, of, of trust and making people feel safe when signing a contract. 
One is providing the information and expertise that I need. Two is constantly delivered to expectations on time. Three is being approachable and transparent in the dealings that you have with an organisation. And then and fourth, just you know, be quick and agile and adaptive to what people need. So, you know, I guess they're things that feel like they're fairly commonly known, but maybe not commonly put into place. Uh, I think ultimately decisions are long, they're expensive and they can be transformative, like for the good or the bad. So feeling like you've made the right choice with the right partner is is critical and perhaps not that unsurprising. Do you think it's something that we're doing enough of in B2B and making people feel like they've chosen the right person? I think if you look at a lot of the work that's going on, it's a lot, you know, there's a lot of focus on humanity in B2B marketing, people in hum- in B2B marketing, less about you know, what's in gigabytes and more about the outcomes of the work that we're, we're doing. So there's undoubtedly a journey that people are going on. But from what I see and to my point before around the work that I see in this industry, I think it's fantastic. You only have to look at, you know, Santander have just released a corporate banking ad with um, um, the guy who was starring in Succession, Brian Cox. Oh so, no. you know, you think oh, that that's powerful work. It's really meaningful. It's at the top table of popular culture. Um, so everybody's going on an amazing journey and um I think there could be more, but I don't think people are starting from scratch. Mm. And it's information like this, you see, that I think can help people have the fuel that they need in their organisation to say, these are the things that we have to do if we want to drive you know, trust and safety, for example. Mm. Amazing. And like you said, this has been trending on the trend for the past couple of years, but I want to talk about the new decision drivers that matter to B2B buyers. Can you tell us a bit more about these and if there are any over- overarching themes? I certainly can. So um, there are 6,776 brand experiences that we've looked at. We've analysed deeply with regression analysis and picked apart what makes a difference. And there are some really clear themes in that. If you break down the journeys that we've looked at, there are 30 decision drivers that we can unpick. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through 30. (laughs) But seven have become more critical in the most recent iteration of this report than last year. Um, To my point around signing a contract and feeling safe, they're perhaps not that surprising, but they're just not often known and they're not often acted upon. So there are a couple around around the sort of the business operations. So you need to make sure that you are integrating smoothly with operations and processes and supporting people with expertise. But really interesting, five of the seven are much more kind of in service of the buyer to feel like they're making the right choice for themselves. So these are around making sure you demonstrate you care about your suppliers, your partners and communities, that you align with my personal values, that you're committed to the environment and the impact, you know, reducing the impact you have on the environment, for known for being a good employer and, of course, having a culture of diversity and inclusion. So if you take those, those sort of things, you know, what does that really mean? Well, it means that every business is looking at all of parts of their operation and when they do, they have to believe that a supplier is so much more than a supplier. They have to be viewed as a true partner and they have to make sure that those partners reflect the values that the business has and can see in themselves because buyers are increasingly making decisions, we believe, on elements that sit outside the price um, and they're really influenced by values and policies and respect and for trust. But overwhelmingly what we see is when people do do really well at these decision drivers, they're not just doing it and meeting expectations, they're going way beyond expectations. And I think that's where, again, the superpowers index can help marketers 
push through the boundaries within their organizations of saying, we have to do this for this reason, and I know that it's going to work and I can prove it to you. Yeah, I think that point around those soft decision drivers rising in importance is really, really interesting. But why do you think that matters? Potentially more than it has done in the past? Is it just the case of having a younger workforce, perhaps? Well, not to sound horrific. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> oh, hey, look, I, this is a, this is a very emotive subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally, I feel very strong. I'll give you an example from my personal life. So, my son is nine, and um, we, when my daughter was born, we bought you know a big car, put all the stuff in, and all that kind of stuff. We live in North London, mm. and increasingly, I felt this was not a good situation. Like it's a, it just I didn't really need it. Every time I turned the key, I just thought it wasn't great. And my son sat mm. in the car and he said to me, Daddy, is this car good for the planet? And I couldn't tell him it was. Mm. So he chopped the car in and got a smart car. It's got an electric smart car and it's tiny. But it serves and we get the train and we get public transport. And anyway, I'll come to your question. But I guess my the, this thing about softer measures, I don't think they're softer measures. Mm. And everybody has a responsibility and a voice. And you've got to use it regardless of whether you're making marketing materials or whether you're... You know, you're a, you're a agency and you're saying to a customer, hey, you have to change something about this. So, hey, off my soapbox, personally, if I get back onto the, mm. the kind of work element, I think businesses are quite rightly in the spotlight for softer decision drivers, ESG, sustainability, DEI, how you invest your profits, you know, their net zero emissions and being accountable towards them. And I guess it's no surprise because businesses are directly tied to some of you know, the key zeitgeisty topics like, Businesses drive economic growth. Businesses hire people. Right? Mm. Businesses have an impact on the planet. So these softer drivers aren't soft drivers as far as I'm concerned. They are critically important. And when you look at younger generations, you know we can cut this data by different um, cultures and we can look at Generation Z. And all of these things that you would traditionally call soft drivers align with my personal values and ethics, feel safe signing a contract, mm. have a responsible um, uh, footprint – these things are the things that drive decisions for those audiences. So those are your audiences of tomorrow. You need to start doing it now to make sure that they believe you when they're coming to making their own decisions. Mm. 100% I just I just left my bank for a different one because of the horrific lack of women and like gender pay gap. Yeah. And yeah. You'd never hear that kind of stuff five, six, seven years yeah. ago. And now people are, 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 are acting with their feet like you are. And I mean... I think everybody's got a story like that and I think it's really important because it demonstrates that people are doing these things in their own world and they're going to do them in their mm. professional world and therefore you can't just stick something on a website anymore and think you've ticked the box of sustainability. It's just not, it's yeah. not. And we don't do that. Like we have initiatives, we have real follow through in what we do and I'm really, really proud to work for an organisation that puts their, I don't know, proverbial money where their mouth mm. is in that respect. Mm. I think it is a tricky thing, isn't it, on the subject of putting your money where your mouth is is the question of authenticity and it's kind of like I get, oh I can't think of the right idiom it's not quite do or die but you as an organization you want to attract buyers you want to show that you sh share the same values of, as them but how do you do so in a way that's actually authentic and what happens if you don't yeah right? <laughs> yeah I, um well I guess there's a few different ways you could a, a, a colleague of mine, we were talking yesterday about, um, you know, different clients and, and this person said to me, hey, we're on the right side of history here, as in we're all having these conversations and things don't happen overnight, whether you're talking about the, uh, 
the ecosystem of your company, whether you're talking about the way that you know you support different people in the workforce, like it's it's not an overnight journey, but everybody that I know in my personal professional life is on the same journey. Mm-hmm. And I think we're on the right side of history where I have this wonderfully positive, optimistic outlook that in five, 10, 15 years time, and when my children are in our positions, Lucy, like things will be different. And um, I think that's the only way you can be authentic. You know, it's saying you're going to do something, doing what you say you're going to do. Um, you, know, you know, in our business, we have a, for the last couple of years, we've run this thing called a shadow board, for example, which is um, we have different locations in the country here and we have lots of different people who do lots of different jobs. Um, so we have a cross-section of our uh, our talent base, levels, mm-hmm. job functions, um, all kinds of different component parts of, um, ha- 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 of what they make up in our organisation. They get together once a month. They raise, you know, conversations around the floor. They bring that to um, the board of Merkle B2B and we affect change in our organisation directly as a result. So last year, for example, we um, uh, did a huge amount of stuff in association with Merkle and with Dentsu, but around how we hire people, some of the initiatives we supported outside of, um, I guess, what you might call the the normal tent poles of social movements, volunteering work, all kinds of great stuff. And I think authenticity, you just have to believe somebody and you have to say you're going to do something and you have to follow through. It is interesting, I think, as Gen Z, you know, become those decision makers, I think the buyer landscape is becoming more emotional, isn't it? Uh, I guess, what do you think success looks like in the face of a emotional landscape rather than one that is maybe more price tag focused i said earlier on this journey in in business marketing i think has come a long way mm. i actually was doing something i don't know a few months ago and i actually said on this panel that i'd be bored of this conversation because the people were still talking like it, it doesn't happen like i think there's an amazing amount of great work that is emotional and is born out of true customer insight across the landscape of, of B2B. And it's coming to the top table. You know, even look at some of our clients. You've got work, we, you know, we work with Workday, for example, who do Super Bowl advertising. And I'm not saying they do Super Bowl advertising to say, hey, they spend lots of money advertising, but they recognise the importance of emotion, popular culture. And I'll tell you now, they have very, very um, strong connections of that marketing through to their buyers, through to accounts, and then through into demand. So... They rec- and they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't, if, you know, collectively we didn't believe that it worked. So there are, and there are lots of examples of, of people doing that. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've got some that I can riff off at, at some point if you like, but um, I do think there's a lot of emotion, a lot of humanity. Um, and to my point around this superpowers index, I think that's what's really critical. People, we can help people do more of that. Mm. And just to kind of recap what we've been talking about, the superpowers index, can you think of any company who's really nailing things on the head, who's demonstrating this is what you need to do to see success? Yeah, so I, I mentioned we've we've looked at this across verticals, across markets, across audiences. So we've got lots of different, we've, we've seen some amazing work. Um, I mentioned before that the things that buyers, you know, the world's largest survey of B2B mm. buyers, they say to us in our research is that it's about going beyond expectation, not just doing stuff. So... One of the key decision drivers was supporting with expertise. So Verizon, for example, in the States, they have fantastic tools on their website. They have trend and thought leadership. They have customer experience centers. Mm. That's kind of table stakes. But what they have done is they've created a one-to-one executive program with the board of Verizon, where the board of Verizon go into the boardroom of their customers, a bit like a a non-exec director kind of role, 
and they so they put their board in the boardroom. You know, that that is a fantastic example of going beyond. Um, ING, have, you know, the, the the financial services company, do fantastic things around demonstrating that they're reducing their environment, environmental impact. They're not just talking about climate report and commitments. You know, if you go and look at a lot of their communication, they deliver tangible evidence on scope three emissions. Scope three emissions are basically anything that you derive um, from the assets you have, your buildings, your cars, your data centres, your travel. Um, and there's an awful lot of, you know, almost like going down the level and saying, we're doing this for our company cars by this date and we've already done it. You think that's evidence. Um, and one that I love for younger audiences, so the um, Generation Z kind of cut of this, talked about Caterpillar, the um, construction vehicle business. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is about feeling safe when signing a contract. So they've got great after-sales support. They've got a great dealing network. They've got a fantastic app. But they do this amazing thing when you buy a piece of machinery. They do post-sales training. So you can keep going and driving new products and services. You keep getting trained on those things. There's even simulators if you can't go down to you know, the location where you might have that. So there's just a few examples of where I think people are doing really, really well in those decision drivers that are proven to drive purchase behaviour. And to wrap up our conversation, Merkel will be speaking at Ignite London this year on the 29th of June. Can you tell us a bit more about the session? Uh, I can, I can. Um, well, I'm a big advocate of practicing what we preach mm-hmm. uh, and do what we say we recommend to our clients. So we are going to deliver a, a really audience-focused, single-minded message to surround our customers um, and create the opportunity to speak to, to people on the ground. So um, we will be talking more about the Superpowers Index um, but you'd be pleased to know that it won't be me uh, banging on. Um, I'm really proud and I'm very lucky to work with a large number of awesome, incredibly talented people, many of whom are going to be those decision makers of tomorrow. So two of our key team, uh, Kayvon and Kim, will be on stage um, where they will be talking about the impact of the Superpowers Index um, through the lens of Generation Z. Um, and we'll have a number of our people, Claire, Will, Laura, Alicia, they'll be there on the ground um, to sort of speak to people and, you know, hopefully engage with them. Um, and I think some of the things we're really keen to demonstrate to people is this point around outcomes. You know, we know that the people that overperform in those seven decision drivers that I mentioned have things like 25% short deal cycles. They are twice as more like they're twice as likely to see higher spend from their customers. They are three times more likely to have higher NPS scores. So we've got some really powerful stuff that I think we're trying to, um, make sure we, we share with people so that we can help B2B buyers like, and marketers like keep moving forward on their journeys. Well, I will be in the front row. <laughs> Great. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it. So, Rob, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Nice to meet you, Lucy. Great. And to our audience, if you haven't got your tickets for Ignite yet, click the link in the description box and we will see you there. So, Rob, thank you. All the best. Thank you.